Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people it is so true. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families, communities, and mission. And I said, I yeah. don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to live this trauma again. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I didn't know that I can get rid of PTSD. Each week, we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma. I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises. And I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Life After PTSD. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting in Orlando. Carrie Russo here with me, as always. How's it going? Going well. Hey, on the line, we've got um, Scott Brook, Mayor of Coral Springs, Florida. We've had him on before. Mayor, I want to say hey to you. How you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, doing well. Glad to have you on the show again. It's been uh, many episodes, um, but uh, these are, Mayor, these are interesting times that we find ourselves in with the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. And um, just want to spend some time talking about that today and be a, a message of hope. And I, I, before we kind of turn the microphone over to you, I want to just share with you a conversation that my wife and I were having as we were driving here just to get set up today to record. And I tell you, Mayor, I, I've never had so much faith in local government and local politics as I do right now. And I and 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 frankly, if I can just be honest, I, I don't know that I've never is that, had so. Is that because of Scott Brook? Well, it's it is because of people like Scott Brook because you know here we are, and you had reached out to Carrie saying, "Hey, let's get the message out there of of hope." And you know, I know Mayor that you've always talked about your just passion for ending the stigma of you know suicide prevention and things like that. And these are these are going to be trying times for folks. But you know, if I could say it too, and. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had so little faith in national government right now. And it just, it just makes me look at local government and go, man, local government is where it's at. And so, you know, you obviously down in Coral Springs, Florida, Coral Springs Parkland community is, uh, you know, it's, it's a prime community in Florida, no doubt. Um, so how are you doing uh, for starters? If we could just ask that, how are you doing with, you know, how is your community doing? How are you handling the stresses, the phone calls you're no doubt getting? Uh, we'd love to just hear, you know, what, what's going on in the mind of a, of a local politician. Uh, so here, our team in Coral Springs, uh, I'd say overall, we're doing very well. Uh, we're as prepared as we can be uh, for a lot of unknowns to come. I think that we have an incredible city manager here, Frank Babinek. Uh, he's had a lot of public health background. Uh, he was our former fire chief, and uh, he's just very proactive, very intelligent. We have great people around us, including our medical director, Dr. Antevi. Uh, the person in charge of emergency management, um, Alex Falcone, and we just have a great team. We have citizens that uh, I'd say for the most part are not panicking. They're really collaborating, cooperating, um, getting lots and lots of questions, but very few of the questions really have a sense of panic uh, behind it. Uh, the panic that I've seen you know, in our community comes from the few that I think that are doing a lot of hoarding uh, including toilet paper in Coral Springs. Uh, I cannot find toilet paper in Coral Springs. Thankfully, I went to Costco about a month ago, and we're good. Uh, and today, Church by the Glades at 5 p.m., they're giving away toilet paper. You're kidding All me. All right, that's, that's amazing. No so Church by the Glades says they're on a roll. 
There oh, that's, so <laughs> that's awesome. That's so funny. That I went out funny. to Walmart this morning. There was none. There was nothing in there still. It's crazy. Yeah. You know how that's going on. And, but, and yeah. that's one of the ways that I think is helpful to deal with this, uh, you know, pandemic that we've never seen. Uh, obviously, it won't affect us all. Uh, it will affect many. And uh, we have to do whatever we can do, you know, to be safe, take precautions. And at the same time, you have to live. Yeah. And, so uh, living with a little humor, a little levity, you know, that's helpful. One of the things you just said is it won't affect all of us, you know, affect a lot of us. But I think it impacts, and I think you'll agree, it impacts all of us on some level. I think about absolutely. I think yeah, about I, it, yeah, the hurricanes. You know, when it just comes to Florida, we all know like, oh, it's going to be fine. We'll get our water and everything we need and get through it. There's an end. And even then, I don't panic in hurricanes at all. And everybody has a, but everybody has a different level of impact, you know, because when I go to the store and I can't get water, I'm just annoyed. So in, in hurricanes. And yeah, so I think I'll, this is the I same thing. When I said uh, not, uh, not affect, yeah. uh, or I don't know not affect us in our chest potentially, right? right. Uh, yes, but exactly. certainly will affect all of us uh, in lots, lots of ways. Absolutely. And, but this is the first time in the history of my life or any of our lives, I think that we've had something like this that has affected um, the world all at the same time. You know, normally it's, like I said, there's a hurricane, there's a shooting in South Florida or in Texas, or, or there's something going on that affects us all. You know, when Kobe Bryant died, people were sad. Lots of people were sad. They, the nation mourns for things. But when something like this happens and everybody in the whole entire world is affected on some level of just worrying, well, is it going to be, is this is going to happen to me? I had somebody yesterday flying, or not last week actually, flying to go see their brother who's critically ill. And he said, I have to think, am I going to get something on this plane that's going to kill my parents? You know, and, but I want to go see my brother. You know, the decisions you have to make that we wouldn't normally have to make. And you as a mayor and, you know, with Frank Babinek and the city manager managing those concerns of, you know, it sounds like you're doing a good job managing those um, with the people. But yeah, I think everybody's just on a different level of heightened emotion. And, you know, I think you raise a good point. Um, and with everybody being on a different level of heightened emotion, let's respect each other's emotions. Absolutely. And those that, you know, really have a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety, you know, don't make them feel bad or wrong. Uh, see how we can be with them, listen to them, uh, and potentially alleviate their fear and, you know, be there for each other. You know, one of the things that you saw in this political campaign uh, nationally, hopefully up until recently, is, you know, a lot of divisiveness and derisiveness, and <laughs> that's not helping. Right. Uh, we have different opinions on a lot of different things, and if we can respect each other's different responses to this pandemic, I think that'll help everybody. And yes. that's one of the messages that I'm sharing here in my community, uh, not just in Coral Springs, but, you know, in Broward. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the reasons that some people are so panicked is they feel like other people aren't. So if we can respect, that's such a good point. If we can respect that people are panicked, and quite frankly, if we didn't have those people that had a healthy sense of panic, those of us that didn't panic at all would really those those of us who wouldn't <laughs> if I could just point at the the relaxed one over here but but guys I got to address a point I mean this is you know Mary you brought up the the political conversation and you know if I to 
expand on my point earlier about the losing faith in national government, it's not just that, it's the rhetoric that goes on nationally. I mean, I, I feel like locally I've seen some of the best of humanity and then nationally I've seen some of the worst. And I don't mean that, I, I wanna be careful not to make a blanket statement because I don't think that's fair either. I think there are some folks you know, in Washington, even at the state level certainly, that are doing an amazing job and are really are doing the best with, with what they're able to do. But you know, there's a lot of people out there too, I think that are going, um, what do I trust and who do I trust? Because you know, three weeks ago, you could turn on one news bureau and they're saying, well, this is, this is a hoax from the Democrats to trash the Republicans. Then you turn on the other news bureau and they're going, uh, this is, you know, this, the, the world, the sky is falling, all this kind of stuff. And we've been on both sides of the aisle. Well, actually I there. talked to the media, I talked to the media yesterday and the media said that uh, they've been blamed for the everything that's really not happening. Yeah. The media has made it all up. Well, but see, but the that's media, a little, actually, I will tell you, it's a little traumatizing for some of the media. You don't, we don't realize that they're like, we're trying to help. But, but even, even just calling it the media is an interesting label because the media has, a, I mean, technically we're the media right now as putting out a podcast and things like that. But you know, the media is, is not this, I mean, it, it's, I guess people are lumping it in as this big conglomerate, but you know, within that there are, there's local news that's doing an amazing job. There's, there's national news that in some cases are, are doing an amazing job. And then others that are, I would say just fear mongering. And then, then I don't know, it's, it's just very interesting. And I think that's one of the dynamics that we're dealing with people or with people's nerves right now is that they've, they've had this sort of high and low on the one hand, it's like, Oh, this will be two weeks and everything will be fine. And look at the death rate and it's low. And once you know, the warmer weather comes and all this kind of stuff. And then I think it was just this morning, there was another like 4,500 cases of coronavirus that were diagnosed and you know, the country. And now they're saying, well, here's the other one too. I mean, think about this. This is an old people disease, right? This affects the elderly or those are at risk. Right. And I'm going, yeah, but now we're seeing young people who are seriously affected by this. And so I think there's just this, a lot of uncertainty and fear because people have been told one thing. Now they're hearing the other. And that that's very difficult. You know, I think when people get the news, they, they want to be able to, to hang on to whatever the news is or the truth is. And when that's given to them and it's sort of, you know, the rug is pulled out from underneath them. Now we have even more chaos, right? So, so that reminds me of one very important thing that I want to share. Mm-hmm. And that is, we have to brace for uncertainty, including the ultimate, you know, negative event, and that's losing people around us. Yes, yes. We have to brace for that. So, you know, and to some extent in life, we we do that because at whatever age we've lost somebody that we love, and um, you may not have been, you know, ready for it at whatever age. My best friend lost his mom at three. Um, Eddie Benatar, and uh, he dealt with loss at a very young age. And, you know, we all deal with things differently, but I think if you can brace for impact, you know, like you might if you know you're about to be in a car accident, uh, it'll minimize, you know, some of the damage. So a lot of what we're dealing with now is the psychology of this unknown event with a lot of unknowns. I was just on the phone uh, with my city manager. Uh, we had a briefing for about 45 minutes and uh, he's anticipating this may affect us beyond the summer. That's a long time. And what, is, what does that look like? Well, this past week, my four last evenings, how it looked like for me, that was different. I had family dinner at home four nights in a row before 7.30. Cool. I can't remember. <laughs> which, which was a great thing, right? Yeah. Can't yeah. remember the last time I did that. Yeah. 
so at this time, you know, what can we do not only to take the physical precautions, but mental precautions? And I think one of the best mental precautions we can take is to brace for uncertainty, is to brace for change and brace for potentially drastic change. But that drastic change doesn't have to be all negative. Like I said, this past week, four nights in a row, dinner at home with my family. Hasn't happened a long, 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 long time. Right, not a bad day. There are these opportunities that I think that we're going to have with families and with people that are confirmed not to have the virus, right? So there aren't enough tests out there now to know who does and who doesn't. Uh, And that's about to, you know, change here in America. Uh, And for some people, you know, knowing some positive numbers um, won't help. Uh, But you got to imagine there are going to be more numbers. You know, right now here in Coral Springs, there's currently zero uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19. And I can't imagine that our community is immune to this, you know, virus. There, there will be some. So how do, we, how do we deal with that? How do we brace for that? And I think one of the best ways we can handle that is to be united. Right. Well, share love, share yeah. kindness. Yeah. Absolutely. I think when you think about the kind of the core basic human needs of, of us as people is that significance, connection, um, variety is one of the things we need, but not uncertainty. The uncertainty, you know, we don't want everything to be the same every day, which is what mm-hmm. my children are upset about. I'm just going right. to sit in my house all day. But, um, and, and bracing for the uncertainty is a good thing, but if we brace too much, it's going to be even more painful. So I think what you said about having dinner with your family, enjoying the connections that are important to you, enjoying the people who are significant to you, yeah. You know, take a day at a time, time those, essentially, right? Taking a day at a time, knowing, another, knowing it's, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Another thing my family has done differently recently is uh, every night lately, about 8 or 9 p.m., five or eight of us will get on and FaceTime with each other. Okay. So we have this FaceTime group chat and we share a lot of jokes and a lot of love. And it's uh, it's been something that's different and unique. I had uh, uh, one other good friend today tell me uh, that for her and her family, she looks at this as an adventure. And I was like, Lisa, wow, that, what a healthy way to look at the unknown. Well, it, it is it is an adventure, right? I mean, in some ways, we um, what what can we do? We were thinking, in fact, somebody posted something about a chalk walk, like taking and each family I saw doing that. something. Yeah, did you see that? I did. Doing something where, you know, you created something in the neighborhood where we all can be separate, but kind of interact. I don't, I don't it would look interesting to the, me. The, like marks where you were or something. Of, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, almost like a geocache or something like but, that. Know, that sort of thing. Well, it's it's kind of cool. It's interesting when there's, when there's, when there's uncertainty and all these things are happening, a lot of times what people say is we should contribute, right? So that's another thing is we want to have, yeah you know, we want to grow as people, we want to be able to, and then contribute back, you know, give back. And it is more difficult right now to give back to people because you can't go help. You know, I have a, a, you've heard him on the podcast before, but a 97 year old World War II veteran. And I started to go to his house and I was like, wait, what if I happen to have some other germ, you know, some other cold Mm -hmm. germ or, you know, so things that we would normally do like, oh, let's take my kids and go entertain him and entertain them too. I don't want to do that. So we have to find other ways to be connected. And like you said, FaceTiming, 
um, and teaching some of our older people who don't have these mm -hmm. devices, giving them our sure. older devices, you know, to FaceTime and do things like that it are important. Um, talking to our kids and letting them know what's happening, um, but not at a high level. Because that's the other thing that that's what the kids think. Well, it's not going to be me. It's just, it's just the old people are, are you know, it's, that, it's that like is the it's rhetoric, being though. minimized. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has been. You know, you know I, I have a fear about all of this. Um, it's such a different fear. It's not a fear so much. And maybe I should be more worried about the virus for somebody like me personally. I just prayed to God that our family is safe. But, you know, the fear is this, is that we forget. Mary, I, I don't know if you guys and Carrie, you know, chime in on this. I, I remember I was a college student during 9-11, um, sophomore, junior year of college, I think. And um, when that went down, I just remember how united people were in this country for like a good month thereafter. You know, just people were just getting together, doing exactly what we're talking about right now. And then the crazy thing was, is after a month or maybe six weeks or something, and I'm thinking it was Malcolm Gladwell that wrote on this too. Like he did a whole, uh, like a book or something on this whole, you know, study about how divisive 9-11 became because thereafter, and, and it's hard to remember, you know, our memories are kind of funny like that, but I, I feel like that's when the, the politicizing started thereafter and we developed these very, very polarized two or three camps, let's just call it two, the red and the blue camp or whatever on extreme ends, you know, that thereafter has never recovered, right? And and we have an opportunity here, even in the midst of, of what is has already been tragedy and can still be more, there's still an opportunity to maybe tear down some of those walls that have been up for a good 20 years at this point. But the unfortunate, the thing that scares me is that we often have opportunities like this to learn a really great lesson and then we forget Right. Something just, you know, normalcy or a sense of normalcy returns. And then we forget all that we went through together and all the progress, you know, that we made. And so I feel like we have a responsibility with our voices and our tribes and everything that we can influence is to, you know, to tell people, you know, journal during this time. Remember this time. Like, I don't well, know I how you help them speak, remember, but, but speaking, it's important. But speaking of opportunity, Scott and I, before COVID-19 was a thing, um, I we were talking about the fact that I really appreciate Scott, because of what he's done in his We're Scott fans for, here. Let's just be honest. All right. For, but what a shirt been, that says Scott on it. Just, but, you, you know, know, it's, it's interesting, you know, whether you agree Republican, Democrat, or whatever color you are, we all agree that we need emotional and physical health, period. We also yeah. all agree that emotional health, if we have emotional health, our physical health is going to be much easier to combat. Like it's, you know, you, I, I say it all the time. You take a doctor, he has two patients. One is emotionally healthy and one isn't. They have the same diagnosis. We're going to bet on the one that is emotionally healthy. So I just have always, you know, we, we commend Scott and how much he's done. Even before anything happened with MSD, he was already on the forefront of mental health and mental yeah. wellness yeah. and suicide awareness and, and just getting people to be aware of their emotional state and, and noticing how they're interacting with other people and how that impacts other people, because you don't know when people aren't going to be there. And that's, that is a really important lesson that I hear you saying. And so one of the things we talked about was he has this meeting and that we've been down a couple of times to the meeting. And um, I was planning on coming down April 1st and talking more about, Hey, let's take this meeting virtual. And this was before COVID-19 because we can't, everybody can't fit in Scott Bagoon's real estate office <laughs> um, in Not the world. Not with social distancing, that's right. for sure. But, but with this happening, we said, hey, let's do this sooner. Let's do it April 1st. Let's take this meeting virtual that Scott does with mental, you know, the Mental Health Alliance and awareness. And 
And so I don't know, do you want to talk about that? Because I think absolutely. Yeah, because I, I'm just really excited so, to get that connection across the globe. Uh, so one of the things that's occurring, at least here in Coral Springs, is uh, I know a lot of people want to learn something new. I'm about to learn piano. I'm about to learn more about these Zoom meetings and technology. And I talked to my uh, buddy, Jason Hanster. He's on the board with me for the Mental Wellness Networking Alliance. Uh, can we do this meeting virtually? He said, absolutely. And uh, with your input and participation, we'd love to have you. Uh, April 1st, Wednesday uh, at 6 o'clock, uh, go live. However, we go live and we'll announce it in advance uh, and have some resources, uh, including yourselves, uh, for the psychological wisdom to get past the uncertainty and embrace the opportunities that also exist, you know, during these uncertain times. And one of these opportunities is to connect technologically and not, you know, six feet within six feet of one another. Uh, and I think that can be done. You know, this past year, my Little girl, Sammy, she's 19. She's at UCF until recently. And uh, one of the nights. ways that I was able to, you know, miss her a little bit less and feel more connected with her is FaceTime. Absolutely. You know, honestly, I see my little girl's face. I'm like, I feel I'm right there. And, uh, and this is something that maybe if people haven't really experienced that before, to encourage them to experience that. So we're not going to have 75 people necessarily be able to interact during our April 1 meeting like we often do at the live meetings, uh, but we can certainly have people, you know, get a sense of what's possible by listening to the 8 or 12 people that will be able to speak on April 1, um, you know, during that 90-minute session that we would have. So, you know, uh, these are tough times. These are uncertain times. Uh, these are unprecedented times. And there will be an end. And there'll be a, a new beginning. And one of my goals uh, as a leader, regardless of my title, is how do we get at least a piece of that vision for what is possible in two months or three months and four months or six months? And uh, we are, you know, we're a resilient country. Um, I know Coral Springs, we're a resilient city. Um, Absolutely you are. I, I look at uh, so much strength and love and courage that has been, you know, demonstrated in our community since February 14th, a couple of years ago. Uh, and so many people coming together in so many different ways. I have no doubt that we'll get beyond this. Uh, and at the same time, we're sharing messages of caution and precaution to be safe from this virus. And it's, it's a balancing game that is not necessarily so easy all the time in my role. Mayor, we, um, we, we kind of have a statement around here that we live by and that's just to move with the movers. And we've always, you know, we've seen you obviously to be one of those movers. And I, I don't know, you know, with no disrespect to mayors of other cities that are out there, I don't know what they're doing. But I know that you're doing something, and I wonder if there's uh, there's an invite you would make right now to some of the other mayors out there to be a part of that meeting and to invite them in so that they can replicate and just we're, there's strength in numbers. Well, no? and, and let yeah. me say and before before you speak, um, because I think that a, all communities need this, and they needed it before this happened. Like we we discussed this before this ever happened. Hey, we need to take what you're doing and replicate it because what you're doing is so powerful, no matter what your political feelings are we want to we care about emotional health of our people 
And so that's what you're doing and that's what you're showing. And I want to take what you're doing and put it across other communities. So yeah. What would you say to other leaders? Uh, I'd say other leaders, you know, to start their own mental wellness networking alliance. Uh, you can emulate the one that I've been able to do with a lot of volunteers in our community. I've had probably at least, you know, 30 people help me uh, very much and probably another 30 people help get us to this point where we're now, we've now had meetings for about a year. Uh, we have formed a not-for-profit called Mental Wellness Networking Alliance. Uh, so the office in which I'm in is not just my law office, it's the office of the Mental Wellness Networking Alliance. And uh, we're still figuring things out. And one of the things that we are figuring out, uh, it will in some ways have figured out is that coming together and sharing vulnerability and sharing solutions uh, is a solution in and of itself. Agreed. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, I don't know how long it'll take, but now with what's occurring in our community, there are a lot of people that may not have ever experienced anxiety before they will experience for the first time, they will have much greater empathy for others that have experienced it for a Absolutely. long time. How do I know that? Because about three and a half years ago, I had never experienced anxiety in my life. Mm. I, had, I had no empathy for people that experienced anxiety, to be frank with you. Practically none. I just, I couldn't get it. I, I didn't understand it. I thought, you know, willpower, positive thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I hear you. resolves anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a, it is a truly, you know, physical, um, uh, it can be physically debilitating to people, especially those that have panic attacks. So I think what we'll see is a lot, many more people understanding how important mental wellness is and reducing the stigma of mental illness and the need for mental health. Mayor, if I could chime in, I know exactly what it's like to have felt that change for me. It was as a college student having a panic attack for the first time and the empathy that changed thereafter. And, you know, and then we started the show, what, a year, about a year and a half ago, I guess. And it was more so when we got to see that that could be reduced when people, you know, for example, had trauma and PTSD, that they didn't have to live like that. Like for a guy like me who goes, man, I know how awful those feelings are. You know, and I know what that physiology feels like, you know, and it's, I, I described to my wife sometimes it's the most horrible feeling you could ever imagine just welling up like right, you know, right up there in your chest and, you know, to bring relief from that. And even if the relief, you know, in terms of like, you know, from the networks that you're creating, even if the relief is just the strength in numbers, that is a start, right? That is a it huge is. start. There's obviously we believe very much so in um, trauma clearing protocols and helping people work through that in a more permanent solution. But, you know, just the, the power of connectedness and the removal of isolation, I think, is so, you know, so very powerful. And we also like to say all around uh, here that we all get by. We quote the Beatles on this, right? We all get by with the help from our friends. Yeah. I mean, and I just and, and I think that's that's the case. So, uh, well, we're excited. We'll we will be a part of that, obviously, on April 1st. And, uh, you know, I would just say for. Um, to take the mayor's pitch even further to any of those local leaders or officials. I know that your office or whatever we can do to help will be so gracious to to share what we've learned and just to encourage that strength there because uh, mayor, ultimately, I mean, you're, you're just trying to be a resource for your people and let them know it's going to be okay, right? We're going to get through this thing together. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's something powerful in that. And I think everybody needs to have somebody that they can they can lean on and they can be the person that somebody else leans on too. And, you know, if we have all that, we're going to be in good shape, right? We'll get through this. It's going to look different, but Absolutely. we're going to, we're going to get through this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the message to share. Uh, one of the things that I've done recently to help 
you know, get past this pandemic and deal with it is I sat on, on a conference call for about two hours yesterday, a Zoom meeting as well, uh, with uh, many Bloomberg, Harvard mayors and other mayors that were invited in this conference call. And probably one of the most important messages that was shared by the uh, people at Harvard and Johns Hopkins University that shared with the mayors that the residents were looking to see, which I agree with, is they're looking for numbers and hope. Numbers and hope. So facts and what's the hope? And, uh, and I think when we really put numbers in context, uh, including you know, the numbers in China relative to 1 billion, 400 million people, you know, the percentage of the fatalities is less than 0. 0.00004%. Wow. Um, so you don't want to have, you know, even that, that numerator, but given the denominator and given the context, you know, maybe people won't feel as panicked and, and not hoard toilet paper, you know, <laughs> you know, get your chicken breasts, get two. <laughs> Uh, but don't, don't get 22. Um, you know, really, we're all in this together. Uh, people should be, you know, social distancing at least six feet away if you're sick. And another message yesterday <laughs> was if you're sick or somebody in your household is sick, stay home. And for us, we're asking people, do you need resources? Do you need transportation? Uh, do you know somebody that needs them because we're going to be able to connect them and not just as, you know, not because we're the government, uh, but because we're a connected community here in Coral Springs and parking. And there are so many people uh, that want to help and can help in many different ways. Again, one of the things I wanted to mention, I know it's going on there for sure in Coral Springs, and I can probably send you a list, but, you know, we're talking about ending the stigma. Uh, one of the powerful things that mental health counseling is, has done now, of course, we're all telehealth and the president has come out and said, HIPAA has changed for telehealth now, but we can provide mental health counseling over face, just like this, FaceTime and the privacy. Of your, so if there was a time to that. end the stigma, it is now yeah. because now you can see time. a therapist literally anywhere in the world from your home. And mm -hmm. so um, while there are local ones, absolutely, there's some great local ones. And, but really anywhere in the world, and it's been really powerful. We've had our 12 therapists have seen Oh, I don't, I think they saw 50 people or more yesterday, just yesterday, all virtually. So one Fantastic. counselor over two days saw 23 different people. So, hey, this is the time to end, end the stigma. You don't have to, if you felt stigmatized walking into an office, you don't have to anymore. Seriously. So. Nope. Agreed. And I'm grateful Agreed. for technology. I'm grateful tech, for tech just and, like this to allow us to make these, uh, these phone calls. And I know, right? I know we've got to end here, but the, on, on that note, if you were interested in the Mental Health Alliance meetings, but you feel like stigma coming to the meeting, thinking, oh, is somebody going to think that I have a problem or mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed? Now you can come to the meeting virtually. So yeah. absolutely, no yeah. excuses. Absolutely. Everybody should be And our, our website is eliminatethestigma.net. And uh, if somebody needs to reach me to get more information or maybe another leader wants to emulate this in their community, uh, they can contact my cell, 954 six nine six seven five nine nine or email me at scott at scotchybrookpa.com so 
whenever we'll you do that. Notes, too. Yeah, and yeah, so Mayor, eliminate the stigma. We'll get that that link for the um, for the April first call up there. We'll get that on that Perfect. website too as well. Yeah, I guess we can we'll do it on the screen. Very cool. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you. I know that you have a million things going on, and you've got the world yeah, to to so tackle much. yourself and, and and down there in South Florida. Um, looking forward to connecting with you in a, a week or so. And if you're out there listening to Life After PTSD, keep your head up. We are here, and we're going to get through this thing together. Um, subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. We drop an episode every Monday. Our job is to bring hope, just like the message that the mayor is trying to bring. And we appreciate your support. And we will catch you next week. We're so grateful that you listened to the show today. Now imagine a new normal you get to decide with all its possibilities once you are free of PTSD, because that is what is possible. You're here, which means you're ready. But listening alone will not heal you or those you know who are suffering. Join us on the mission to eradicate PTSD by reaching out to lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca or by sharing this message of hope with someone you know.